Good evening. It's good to be together, isn't it? Nice to have a few more hours on the road to swim across the road. I, uh, while I was in my truck, I was able to log into the uh, Bones Mill um, service thing for a few minutes, and uh, Brother Joe was speaking. I heard about five minutes, and I got all excited, so I'm going to try to get you all excited. So brace yourselves. He read a verse that, that, or he didn't even read a verse. He just quoted part of a verse that I can remember which part of Corinthians it was in. And I went back to look it up and got even more excited. So I needed that for the end of the day here and beginning of the evening. Uh, this is Paul, obviously. It says in this is 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9, it says, But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. <clears throat> for what man knoweth the things of man save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. This is just defining the importance of the Holy Spirit at work. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given unto us of God. We wouldn't even know about these things without the Holy Spirit. And if you're not in touch with the Holy Spirit, you're going to be missing out on a lot of things that are available to you free of charge. <laughs> that you need to have, that I need to have. And I just heard that, I don't know what mile I was at, but I heard that and I said, you know what? I've spent too much of today unaware of the free gifts that are available to me that the Lord has freely given to me. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for moving through Joe to remind me that you're here uh, with an endless supply of help and free gifts that are available to build us up. We need to be built up every single day. If we come together to remind ourselves, to encourage ourselves, to build each other up, because we need it, because the Lord knows that we need it. And uh, it's good to recognize the fact that really, this is the reason that we must take advantage of the Holy Spirit. It's not a removed thought. There is a very real need to say, boy, Lord, I want to be found aware of what you have for me. I want to be found today just as a mere man. Just what knoweth the things of God save the Spirit of God? If, if you're just running around as a mere man doing your job, you're not going to be aware of the things of God. And that is a problem. It's only, the only help is to be aware of the things of God through the help of the Spirit. And... Tuning into that, there's no room for discouragement. There's no room for anxiety. There's no room for hopelessness. Those things must give way to the help that the Lord has for us. They're not fairy tale future things. They're right here today for us tonight to help us move forward. Amen. <coughs> Rebecca told me that Amber had a good day. Amber, yes. That's thank you, Lord, for that. We'll take that as some victory. So it's. <laughs> 
feeling a little nauseous, but much less pain. That's that's uh, we can believe for that to continue to improve. Let's gather and enter in. Amen.
this hot weather? Yes. This is what I call lose your coat weather. You start out in the morning bundled up with your gloves and hat on, and by the end of the day it's too warm, and you leave it uh, somewhere at a secret undisclosed location. Okay. Copied my notes over. My penmanship has deteriorated somewhat over the years. My hands kind of shake somewhat, so I quit mocking Brother Bill about that, so we'll see if that helps. <laughs> Not good to mock. Uh, <coughs> Brother, is Joanne here? Where's Joanne? Oh, yes. You can stand and don't stand. Brother Alan, Alan Joanne lived with us at the Up River House, and Al sometimes had problems with his back, so I was doing my Al Valentine hurting back imitation. The next day, it was no imitation. <laughs> That's the only way I could walk, so. You think some of us would learn on the eighth or ninth try on some of this stuff. God's very patient, fortunately. Hmm. Well, let's, uh, yeah, this doesn't seem to make much sense here. <laughs> okay, let's turn to Proverbs 14. It's all good, but we don't have time to read the whole thing tonight. I've been thinking in verse 34, Proverbs, Proverbs 14, 34. I've been thinking about this in regard to where the United States is going and especially not just the United States, many countries. Verse 34 says, Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. The king's favor is toward a wise servant, but his wrath is against him that causeth shame. And I wanted to talk tonight a little bit about dying. Uh, can't get away from it. Put it off for a while. Back up in verse 32. Starting to understand my notes here. I was going to start in 32. 
The wicked is driven away in his wickedness, but the righteous has hope in his death. And somehow we've got to find some hope in the things that God takes us through. I was uh, happy to hear Gabe opening the service tonight because the only way that we will get through this wilderness is if we are led of the Spirit. That is the only way. My dad used to have an expression. He wasn't a churched man, but he said, you don't have a snowball's chance in hell. And that's not much of a chance, uh, given the probable ambient there. Uh, we don't have, it, it's, it's not unlikely, it's impossible that we'll get through the things that God is taking us through, apart from his instruction, his direction. You know, it says in Isaiah, you won't move your teachers into a corner anymore. The things God sends are designed to teach us. Teach us not to mock people. Teach us not to do all the other things. But more so to teach us how to conduct ourselves. You know, it's interesting that uh, Queen, uh, was it Sheba? Went to see Solomon. Yeah. All, everything, right down to the seating, right down to the seating chart was uh, done well, excellently. And, and I kind of feel that way about everything we do. And I think there's, I think God has kind of led us in that whatever we do, to do it, try to do it well, as well as, as possible, uh, because it is a testimony, you know. Everything, everything that we do really enters into the realm of worship. Worship is more than singing, although we do enjoy that. It's more than singing in the spirit. It's everything that we do, everything that we put our hand to, everything we yield our bodies to is a worship, a service, a part of the worship, a part of the service unto God. It's important to remember that. If you turn to uh, John chapter 12, we'll studying some of this for a little while and I think I knew my way around my notes better before I neatened them up. I should have left them sloppy. At least I knew where I was going. John 12 start in verse 20. I found these couple of verses humorous, as I do find quite a few things in the Bible humorous. And there were certain Greeks among them, that, among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desiring him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. 
Now we've got a little advantage. If we want to talk to Jesus, we have the opportunity to do that without going through Philip. Um, Philip cometh and telleth Andrew. And again, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, I found this about Jesus, and I found it about some other ministry as well. You ask them a question, and they give you an answer that seemingly has nothing to do with the question. Um, because Jesus seemed to use every opportunity to instruct them in the way that they needed to be instructed. 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. So, I was thinking, what, what is, the, what I was seeing is, this, this is a very specific death, a prescribed death that has to be led by the Spirit of God. I don't know if that will lift that okay. Or we won't find our way through. If the only goal was for the grain of wheat to die, there's a number of ways to kill a grain of wheat. You could smash it with a hammer. You could burn it. You could drown it. Name the ways. But that's not, what's, that's not really what God was talking about here. There's a little part in the wheat kernel that's called the germ. And that little part is alive in there. And it's important that throughout this whole journey, the little part that God put in here that's alive remains alive. It does that. It remains alive the whole time. So it's not enough just to have a general recipe for how to die. That wouldn't be enough because God has a very specific program for each one of us, taking us in a way that we would never have imagined. I never thought of coming to Alaska. I've said before, my brother would probably like to live in Alaska. He's come up here a couple times and he's bought another bus, school bus, and he's converting that into a camper. So I think he's planning on another pilgrimage here at, at some point. Uh, I don't know if it'll be this year or not. Uh, uh, no. So, anyway, think specific. Think of the things that God takes us through. You know, we've said it before and others have said it. You see somebody, what somebody else is going through and you think, well, that's simple. If they just did this, that, and the other, <laughs> no problem. Then how are you doing with your little one, two, three? Yeah. <clears throat> no, it's a whole other story. 
when it's something that we live with every day, all day long. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto eternal life. If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? We should take some comfort in that. Jesus, born of a virgin, called from before the foundations of the earth, his soul was troubled within him. As our souls are troubled at times. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. I like this preacher. He said he was praying God, why me? And he said he felt like he heard God say, why not you? It seemed to make a lot of sense to me. Father, glorify thy name. Then there came a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. The people therefore that stood by heard it and said that it thundered. Others said an angel spoke to him. Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. In verse 32, what I wanted to get to. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. And there was not talking about being lifted up on some lofty throne. It was talking about being hung on the tree. That's how he was lifted up. And if that happened, all men would be drawn unto him. If that had not happened, all men would not have been drawn unto him because he couldn't have been the example for us. Again, a very specific program. One thing I really liked it or not liked, do like, uh, about Brother Buddy and the plan of God teaching is he lays out very clearly how through the whole life of Jesus, every aspect of it was foretold in the Old Testament, confirmed. Somebody counted up all the numbers of prophecies that were in the Old Testament that were fulfilled in the New. I don't remember the number, but a, a lot. That was all lined up. And how many times it says the people would have stoned him and then he vanished out of their midst because that was not his time to be lifted up on the tree. That wasn't his time to be stoned to death. God was doing something very specific and God's doing something, uh, maybe not the same thing, but something just as specific with each one of us. He's got a program. He's got an outline. He's got a path for us to be on, uh, which, uh, as Gabe said, will only be discovered as we are led by the Spirit. When uh, Jesus was going to go see Lazarus and raise him from the dead, well, 
know, maybe I better read it so we don't mess it up. Uh, John chapter 11, just a couple chapters back here. John chapter 11. Verse 10. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus, Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may wake him out of sleep. Then his disciples said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. We're about uh, as sensitive sometimes. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking rest in sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Oh, now I get it. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. And this is just, has caught my attention for a long time about the specificity of dying. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. That's what's on the program, dying? Okay, let's go, let's go die. If that's the thing to do, let's do it. Uh, I liked his willing heart, but that's not what was happening that day. And it won't happen by the exertion of our will. It won't happen by us trying to design the perfect death. Uh, it will only happen as we're led carefully by the Spirit, day by day, and with each passing moment. Let's, uh, we're kind of going backwards here. Let's go back to John chapter 8. John 8 and verse 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews who believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are, you my, are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Then over in Hebrews chapter 4. It's essential that we continue on. It said, we shall know if we follow on to know. 
you don't follow on to know, you won't know. Hebrews 4, right? I think that's what I said. Verse 12. sword, a shield, or a sword, something. The Word of God is living and active, and quick and active in the, if you're a King James student. Verse 12, for the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow that's pretty close. Joints and marrow. Not much separating joints from the marrow. Never studied anatomy much, but I did work in a meat room for a while in a grocery store. Got to see lots of bones and joints and marrow. And they're all pretty compact together there. And as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. And it is him with whom we have to do. We have to do with each other to some extent, but when it comes right down to it, if there's a problem with you and me, it's usually a problem with him and me, uh, which God mercifully put us together. So if there is a problem being connected to him, we'll often get a tip off in how we're connected to each other. Uh, says if you don't love your brother that you can see, how do you think you're gonna love God that you can't see? Uh, and I think that's why gives, God gives us so much help. Haven't seen God, yet we believe in him. That's why it's faith, the evident substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. Where's your evidence? Not seen. But you, it says the wind, you don't see the wind, but you see the effects of the wind. Came over here at 2 o'clock in the morning some years back, where we had one of those Chinooks, you know, 80 or 90 mile an hour Chinooks. I was living at the Cedar House and I came over in this direction just in time to see the trash trailer go wheeling across the driveway. <laughs> Quite impressive. Anyway. And God's kind of that way. We don't see him. We see him in one another, hopefully. But we see the effects of his working. In us and in each other. I was, I'd forget how I got onto it, but did you ever hear of the Dunning Kruger effect? Oh, I hadn't either. 
we all, we all have an idea of what we're like. And that's not always an accurate assessment. Others probably see us much more clearly. Certainly, aggregately, we are seen much more clearly than we are in our own imagination. Uh, that's why many times people don't like listening to themselves on a recording. That doesn't sound like me. I don't know who that is. It doesn't sound like me. Reminds me of Sister uh, Mackenzie, Vivian Mackenzie. Some of you know her, knew her. She's passed on now. And she had a baby, and they brought the baby in. <laughs> she said, that's not my baby. That baby looks like a monkey. <laughs> I think she was, may have been stressed or something. Anyway, they made the adjustment as she did raise him successfully, but that was her first reaction. This uh, Dunning-Kruger effect in psychology, uh, it's a cognitive bias, which is a systematic error in thinking. This kind of gets a little wordy, but a systematic error in thinking that occurs when people are processing and interpreting information in the world around them and affects the decisions and judgments that they make. An example they gave is most people consider themselves good drivers. And many that consider themselves good drivers are horrible drivers, or maybe mediocre drivers, or certainly not great drivers, because we tend to have a view of ourselves and our abilities that may or may not have its uh, roots in truth. whereby people with limited knowledge, this, this is where it gets good here, whereby people with limited knowledge or competence in a given intellectual or social domain greatly overestimate their own knowledge or competence in that domain relative to objective criteria or to the performance of their peers or of people in general. <laughs> That's why we're all getting delivered from our vain imaginations. Uh, and God doesn't reveal all that to us all at one time. I think we'd be discouraged in the way and want to go back. I really do. And that's why it can seem sometimes that though you've been walking with God for many years, you feel like you're getting worse than better. Uh, that can be a good thing if the intensity of God's light is increasing in our lives. Uh, I always trained people at Service Master, don't vacuum in the dark. You can go faster, to be sure. It was always a revelation to me when I would get these calls about cleaning deficiencies and we were disadvantaged 
in general in that we cleaned at night with just artificial lighting that was in the buildings. When they come in in the morning, sun is streaming through the dirty windows, reflecting across the dirty floor. You can pick out every little piece of shred of paper that's on the carpet. And I thought, wow, we should make sure we have every light in the place on if we're gonna be effective at cleaning. And we're still disadvantaged because they see it in the light. And it says the light maketh manifest, and it certainly does in the natural and in our own lives as well. Second uh, Corinthians 1. Turn to that. Second Corinthians uh, one and verse eight. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Verse eight, for we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. Verse nine, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raiseth the dead. Verse 10, who delivered us from so great a death, which he certainly has, and doth deliver in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. It's all three things. He brought us out of darkness and put us on the path. He's helped us, and our hope is that he will continue to help us. It's not like a thing where you get partway through the wilderness and you say, I can take it from here. Man has no innate sense of direction. Uh, we were talking the other day, some of us, about how animals know certain things. My son, uh, I was with my son Sunday and he was doing some work with his cat and down by the logging sale. And his dog is an uh, Australian Shepherd. They just like to corral stuff, chase stuff. And he always goes clockwise around the cat. I was asking Sam, what, what, what's he thinking? And he thinks, that dog thinks that he is directing that cat. He thinks he is directing that machinery. He believes it with his whole heart. If he wasn't there, things wouldn't go well. We can be 
equally deceived at times, thinking that we have a greater sphere of influence than we actually have. Uh, you know, you see these birds, how do they know? How do they know which way to go? It's amazing. The salmon, we've talked about that. And we got sick of talking about it, and then we talked about it some more. I think the m most impressive thing, I think it was Karen, was it Karen Greenleaf showed us that film of the salmon going back and actually up a drain pipe to get to the place where it has spawned, yeah, a culvert. That's just amazing. <coughs> when you see the things in the creation, man is probably the weakest, uh, inept, uh, helpless in type of life. Look at those calves. They come out, flop on the ground. An hour later, they're nursing and running around dry and complaining and wanting more milk and everything else. We have babies, they're basically helpless for quite a long period of time. I think God did that so that we would understand how helpless we really are uh, apart from Him and His help and His direction. Uh, anyone who still believes that man is innately good and I couldn't agree less. Okay. Page two. Uh, John 21. Some of this has become more real to me in the last few years. John 21, verse 18. Whether you're young or you're old, you can make an application of this in your life. Verse 18 of John 21. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee where thou wouldest not. Verse 19, this spake he signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, follow me. Follow me. He said all that to say this is the kind of death that will please God. When another girds you, and takes you where you would not go. And I'm just at my age, which I'm, I'm almost 66, 
told Dr. Andreasen, had I known I was lived this long, I would have taken, took better care of myself, but I think he'd heard that before. And that's really the only kind of death that will glorify God. Not performing certain duties, not completing certain tasks, not reading books about all the good things other people have done and trying to imitate them. In some cases that's, I'm sure, helpful. But we need specific guidance because we're in specific problems. We're in specific difficulties. We're in specific needs, and we need specific instruction. First of all, to know how to even think about these things. God, what are you thinking about this? When it talked about the prosperity of the wicked, it sounded like the wicked were doing better than the righteous. It sounds that way sometimes, it looks that way up front sometimes. Uh, said, then I saw their end. It said that he set them in slippery places. That which looked secure suddenly looked pretty slippery. And uh, let's finish up over in Matthew chapter 19. another instance where Jesus gave them the answer but it wasn't the one they were looking for Matthew 19 and verse 24 he said again I say unto you it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God when his disciples heard it they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them, and saith unto them, It's interesting, Jesus often says, He perceived their thoughts. <laughs> he understood what they were thinking. He knew what they were going to say. When Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And tr verse 27, this, we could get caught up in this as well. 20, verse 27, Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have, therefore? And he answered their question, but not with the answer that seemed appropriate for the question. Verse 28, And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. 
God had a plan for the disciples that was way beyond anything in the eternity. Uh, and God has a plan for each one of us as well. We can say, what are we going to have? And I never forgot uh, Brother Sam preaching. I never knew Brother Sam, but I've known him by the word, listening to the messages. And he said, they asked what they were going to have. And Jesus told them what they were going to be. And I think that's really what God's more interested in trying to teach us. We can think, what are we going to have? And he's trying to show us what we're going to be. Because what he makes in us, what he forms in us, we get to keep for all eternity. Into things that eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, hasn't even entered into the heart of man. All the things that God has prepared for us. But we want to stay on the course. The specific course for what God's doing in each one of us. He said he'll give us the answer. I'll stand on my watch and see how I will answer when I'm reproved by him. He gives us the questions, then he gives us the answers. It's an open book test. Amen. We need all the help we can get navigating this kind of a course and path. But we know, um, we're saying I, I feel uh, hopeful in this word. And in particular, you know, when God orchestrates a cross um, and you and I find it in ourselves really to allow that to work and not brush it off or shields up, there's power. You know, you think of the people like in our midst or anybody you know that has impacted you or had influence. And I don't mean, we can say a lot of things to each other, but the things that really impact you and I come from a, a life that has been laid down. Like when somebody has died in an area and they speak, they don't, they just, there's life that ministers to you and I. It's like, and I, I, that inspires me. It's like, I like, I want to be that kind of a person. Well, how, how do you get there? Well, the same way that they did in most cases. They, they had things, and we all have things in our life that, that, that we cross paths, and whether or not we yield to it, it determines what kind of a life of power and impartation that we have. And I think... Um, I appreciate Tom, you know, we can't orchestrate that. I, the, the, the cross experiences where I have received the most benefit weren't the ones that I chose. It's not a multiple choice. I would mess it up. Like it's a matter of just having to give myself to the process that, that God has put before me. And I thought of, um, you know, years ago, and maybe Brother Abel or someone that actually heard Sam minister on this, Pam. You know, he supposedly there was one one word for 
most things and it was what? I've got one word for you. One solution to the problem. And I think, I think once again, God's people took that and they overcorrected and probably just allowed themselves to be directed or to, to be doing something that they probably shouldn't have in the name of dying. And then so we correct the other way and we, we, we don't take anything. We challenge everything, you know, we're not, you know. And somewhere I think God is bringing us back to that where there is a need in our midst, i.e., um, when you are wrongly accused. That's a very hard one not to want to justify. Try it. Come see me afterwards. I can accuse you of something. <laughs> see how you do, right? I mean, but... Well, yeah, that's right, I can't. You don't need to worry about me. It'll come out. But... That's what I'm talking about. Or you come, come upon something um, just in our context here. We, have, we cover for each other a lot. I noticed that I was asking Rachel you know, just about cars. You get in the car and you're in a hurry. That's the time the car's out of gas. How do you do with that? Or you come upon somebody's, there's a mess there and it's like, and there's nobody around, you know, Will you just keep walking or will you stop and tend to... I mean, this is some, trying to put some, something practical. And when you, when you give yourself and allow the work of the cross in those situations, when you have an opportunity to pin somebody or to feed something that you know is not edifying and you, and you hold yourself, that's a dying I mean, there, you, you know the, there's such a power wanting to come through you to correct a situation or to set somebody straight. And, and you, when you don't take advantage of that, that's the kind of dying that, that we're, will result in a life of power. So anyway, and, and, and it brings hope. And I like that Tom started with this. The righteous hath hope in his death. There's a hope in this. It's right. And I thought of this passage in Job. He had something to say about it. Right? I said this the other day, yesterday, and Tom referenced it. You think about what, what Paul went through and he says, I want you to understand in all that dying and all that suffering and all that abuse that, that I experienced, those things have turned out rather, they have fallen out rather for the good. For the furtherance of the gospel. You know? Don't give up when it looks bleak and you and it just seems like there's I mean just like this is this report and we're holding I didn't hear the announcement. My wife told me about it, you know, like there's possibility. I'm I'm holding to that. I'm holding out hope that God is working in this family right here. In uh Job says, For there is hope of a tree, if it be cut down, that it will sprout again. There's hope. I don't know when. I don't know how. I don't know the source that's going to come to breathe life. But if you're there, and it just feels like 
you're, you just can't see the forest for the trees. Hold on. There's hope that it will sprout again and that the tender branch thereof will not cease. Though the root thereof wax old and in the earth and the stalk thereof die in the ground, yet through the scent of water it will bud and bring forth boughs like a plant. I mean, we're coming, that time of the year is coming upon us where it's like, we're going to see some greens. Like, how could it ever, look at after this winter, right? One of the most severe we've ever experienced. I mean, like I've heard it from numerous sources. Not that, I heard it yesterday. I was getting therapy and this lady said, this just been an oppressive winter. Like you just, true. Hold on. There's hope ahead. So, Lord, we look to you for this tonight. We ask you that you would uh, <clears throat> cause us, Lord, to, to yield right where you have us tonight, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the power of resurrection, Lord. In Jesus' name.